Hi, and thank you for listening to Ask the Pastor, a segment of the West Hills podcast where you get to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. Today's question is, how concerned should Christians be with free speech? And what does the Bible have to say about free speech? Uh, This is a very timely topic right now in our country. Uh, We'll get into that. I want to frame the conversation up with this uh, news article I found from Deseret News. I'm not sure what uh, periodical that is, but um, published on January 12th online entitled, Conservatives are running out of social media options. Is it a violation of their free speech rights? The article reads, In the wake of last week's deadly riot and the storming of the U.S. Capitol building, private media companies have begun drawing a harder line on what and who is and isn't acceptable on their platforms. Conservatives have decried the media company's actions as censorship and Orwellian, but media experts point out that private companies are allowed to manage their own businesses and that the First Amendment only applies to the government's infringement of speech. The social media application uh, Parler, which has served as a go-to alternative to Twitter for supporters of President Donald Trump, was suspended by website hosting service Amazon Web Services, according to BuzzFeed News, which reported that Amazon suspended the app for breaking its terms of service. The app has recently been overrun with death threats, celebrations of violence, and posts encouraging patriots to march on Washington, D.C. with weapons on January 19th, the day before the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden, BuzzFeed reported. Apple and Google uh, had already removed Parler from their application stores, the New York Times reports, saying Parler had not sufficiently policed its users' posts, allowing too many that encouraged violence and crime. The day after the riot, Facebook indefinitely banned Trump's profile through at least Biden's inauguration on January 20th. That was yesterday. On Friday, uh, Twitter banned Trump's account, uh, the president's preferred means of reaching out to his supporters and politicians because of the risk of further incitement of violence, end quote. Uh, The crackdown by media companies hasn't only come from digital and audio platforms. Book publisher Simon & Schuster canceled Missouri uh, GOP Senator Josh Hawley's book contract, citing the senator's role in Wednesday's dangerous threat, quote, to our democracy and freedom. Uh, But media companies aren't breaking the law or infringing on First Amendment rights, the article says, when they make the decision to ban or censor content on their platforms, according to media experts and researchers. Chris Krebs, former director of Homeland Security's uh, Cyber Security and Infrastructure Security Agency, said social media censorship is not a free speech issue. He says the First Amendment doesn't apply to private sector organizations. That's not how this works. Uh, that's governments impeding speech and the ability to hear, and that's not what that is not what's happening here. So I'm going to stop there with the uh, uh, the context for why I'm recording this because I, I'm really not so much interested here in the legality of what's been going on in the news these past few weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm not a legal expert. I am uh, more interested in the morality than in the legality. Is this something that these big tech companies should be doing in policing uh, free speech and censorship, uh, policing what can and cannot be said on their platforms? And moreover, considering that they are are already doing it, they've, they've already made up their minds on their answer to the question, 
then, then I think the question that we're left with um, as believers, as a church, is what should we think about it? Specifically, what does the Bible have to say, if anything, on these issues of freedom of speech and censoring of speech? Um, does it speak to it at all? So let me take us straight to the Word to see if we can extrapolate any principles that might be relevant to the discussion. For starters, it should go without saying that the Bible is very clear about what kinds of things we ought to say as followers of Christ, what kinds of speech God uh, condones and condemns. So Second Peter, uh, sorry, Second Timothy two twenty four, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Uh, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. That's the kind of speech that we should pursue as believers. Uh, Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Uh, And so David prays in Psalm 141.3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Colossians 4.6, Paul uh, commends us to let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. He says elsewhere in Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. That one I have memorized because... uh, um, when I was well, probably six years old, I, I exercised my right to free speech uh, by cussing out uh, my next door neighbor who I was uh, in a disagreement with. And we got in a fight and both came home with bloodied lips and, and black eyes. And so uh, my punishment was I got to write out Ephesians 4.29, I think 20 or 25 times. So I've got that one memorized now. Thanks, Mom. Uh, Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Romans 14.1, do not quarrel over opinions. And that all of this maybe points us to what's maybe most, most relevant for us personally. Uh, any, any Christians who would be personally concerned with being censored, you know, I, I would just uh, gently encourage you to, to take a look in the mirror. If, if you're saying stuff on social media personally that Facebook or Twitter feels like it needs to police and needs to block, that's probably a good sign that you need to, to just take a time out and, uh, and question whether you have digressed into quarreling over opinions, whether you are quarrelsome, Second Timothy uh, 2.24 and Romans 14.1, whether what you're saying is truly truth, and, and even if it is, is it truth in love? Um, you know, Romans 13, and we could go there, says, you know, the... the, the the government doesn't bear the sword for uh, the person who is um, who is who is gentle and loving, and so um, if that's what's characterizing our speech, uh, probably you shouldn't need to be uh, censored. But to speak a little more specifically to the to, to that censorship issue here, um, you know, it is worth noting. I just if we're going to go strictly biblical here, that even in the Old Testament, uh, the Bible, uh, God Himself censors some speech, namely blasphemy of God cursing one's father or mother. The consequences of such speech in the Old Testament is the death penalty. But, you know, if we want to take this into the 21st century and think about, you know, what what does the Bible say about injurious speech between people outside of those bounds of, of a kind of covenant relationship with God, with, with your parents, you know, how, uh, and, and specifically not just uh, a theocratic sort of God policing and uh, these kinds of things, but but what should 
we be concerned about and advocating for with regard to our own human man-made government that's not a theocracy what how should we be thinking about free speech in, in that context you know one maybe the most um, pertinent passage that I could find in doing a little homework here was Ecclesiastes 7 verses 20 through 22 says uh, this is you know King Solomon writing Ecclesiastes says surely there is not a righteous man on earth who doesn't who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. So the principle here seems to be that none of us is perfect. We all sin in our speech. It calls to mind James chapter 3. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. You know, and Romans 3 tells us no one is righteous, no one is perfect. Uh, but James 3 goes on to say, you know, unless you can bridle your whole body, the tongue is, n- is a small member, and yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the whole course of life, set on fire itself by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. The tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people made in the image and likeness of God. Um, he says, My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring uh, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Speaking of salt now, I want to go back to Ecclesiastes 7. And again, the, what I think Solomon's trying to say there is, you know, we are all imperfect. And so you better be careful policing who says what. Your better bet is just to not take to heart all the things that people say, Solomon says. In other words, take things with a grain of salt, sometimes a giant lump of salt. Heck, if you don't like what's being said, frankly, you can skip the salt altogether. Put down the salt shaker. No, no one's forcing you to be on Facebook or Parler or Twitter. Just unfriend them or, or, or leave if, if it's upsetting you. David goes so far in Psalm 109, 28 as to say, let them curse, but God, you will bless. You know, David's, David's being, <laughs> being cursed uh, by, by people, his enemies, people that hate him. He says, you know what? Let them curse. I'm not going to try and police what they have to say. God, as long as you bless me as long as I care what you say about me more than what others say about me. That That's what matters. You know, Matthew 12, 36, uh, Jesus assures us, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. In other words, Jesus says, you know what? Let God worry about judging people's speech. Let God police and and, and be the one to, to whom, you know, people are accountable. Um, now, I say all that, and yet I also at the same time recognize in context of, you know, especially the past couple of weeks of what's going on in our country, that, that hurt feelings are not the only thing at issue here. You know, if it was just people's feelings getting a little hurt, that would be one thing. But there there obviously have been concerns, and in some notable cases, uh, concerns that have proven to be justifiable about speech that actually incites violence. And that's really the crux of this here. Um, is, you know, what is the government's role? What are these private tech companies' roles in policing speech that uh, potentially incites violence or maybe explicitly uh, calls calls for violence? And I think um, my my just personal, you know, take on that is that I think at that point we're we're kind of beyond 
the realm of what is explicitly biblical. Um, I think that really gets into a more of a practical and a political issue more so than a spiritual or a biblical one. And so I just share my own quick two cents worth kind of personal take on that. My concern here uh, would, would be more, again, as a, an American citizen rather than, than a Christian per se. But, um, you know, I think the practical issue becomes who, who gets to decide uh, what constitutes um, speech inciting violence and and how do they decide it? You know, what criteria? Um, you know, even this distinction that we have in our, in our legal code about hate speech, um, you know, I think is, and not only I think, but it has undoubtedly proven to be really fraught with difficulty and, and problematic in terms of, of actually making those determinations and, and policing that, you know, what, what qualifies as hate speech versus just speech that we really, really don't like, what qualifies as, um, you know, speech that incites violence. I mean, the reality is, you know, I, I can, I can tell anyone to do anything, but, you know, you go back to the, the garden, if you want to get biblical about it, you know, God, even God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit and yet he gave him free will and he, he didn't police it. Um, you know, he, he, we are, we are each of us morally autonomous, uh, self-determining agents. We, we are able to determine, uh, you know, how to make our own mistakes. I, I, I we're not, um, I want to give president Trump in, in this example, for instance, uh, his, his full credit in, you know, uh, saying things that, that he shouldn't have said that, that really did, I think, lead um, indirectly, uh, you know, to um, the, the events that unfolded at the Capitol two weeks ago now. Um, you know, he should not have said those things. They certainly are not in keeping with, uh, I think, biblical speech. Um, and yet, he didn't make anyone do any, anything. These rioters were freely determining, you know, self-autonomous moral agents unto themselves, and no one, no one marched them uh, at gunpoint down to the steps of the Capitol and and through the windows. Um, They they made that determination, and so I, you know, I would be really, really careful and cautious about you know, how much latitude, just again, speaking as an American citizen, um, you know, how much latitude we want to give to the government, we want to give to, um, you know, even private companies. Uh, sure, you know, do they have the ability to, to police what goes on on their sites? Yeah, legally they do. Um, in the same way that, you know, if you came into West Hills on a, on a Sunday morning and, and started shouting stuff that, you know, was not in keeping with the spirit of our worship service, uh, we would escort you out. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, Twitter, Facebook, they have every right to escort people out of their of their services, if if that's, you know, that's their prerogative. And yet, you know, if they're really they're they're you know, it's it's not an apples to apples comparison with a worship service, because, you know, um, Theoretically, something like Twitter is aspiring to be, you know, a, a international, global, virtual 
bulletin board of sorts, you know. And so I think we really should be concerned when uh, when we see uh, them cracking down on on who's able to say what there. So that's again, that's that's my personal take on it. I, I think it does have practical real life consequences for us, uh, potentially even as Christians. I, I think we should be. Um, from a worldview perspective, uh, concerned about what, some of what we see going on. You know, we don't have to speculate hypothetically. Um, we, we see it happening already. Uh, you know, you think about the Canadian Parliament's attempt to mandate uh, transgender pronoun usage, um, you know, to call it hate speech, to call a, a transgender person not by their preferred pronouns, um, you know, something like that. I think we're not probably far off from that in this country. And then that gets into uh, really, you know, not only freedom of speech, but maybe freedom of religion uh, sort of concerns for us as believers. You know, am, am I as a believer uh, going to basically contradict uh, what Scripture and, uh, tells me about a person's biology because of what they claim to be true about their self-identity? Um, yeah, I think we can get into some really... Uh, um, fraught, uh, morally fraught issues here. Um, I mean, the Bible itself acknowledges that the gospel is offensive. It will become increasingly so as the culture strays farther and farther from normalized nominal Christianity. You know, uh, I I think the exclusivity of salvation, uh, again, I I preached on it last last Sunday, uh, the threat of hell, you know, I mean, even sharing the gospel fully about a person's sin and its rightful consequences, hell, that that could potentially become hate speech very soon. I, I don't think we're far off from that. Where, you know, to, to share the gospel explicitly um, and, and its alternative, the consequences of hell, on, on something like Facebook could very well be banned. You know, that could that could be you know, hey, uh, you're trying to drive your your religion down someone's throat. You're threatening them. Um, you know, you're you're causing them psychological turmoil, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and I, so I, I think, again, I, I think that uh, from a, as a, as an American citizen, I have serious concerns about that. I, I, I am, am always going to vote toward keeping speech as free as possible for that reason, um, amongst others. Um, and, and yet, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I think another thing that we have to be able to come back to as believers and take solace in as the Bible's assurance that if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you will be blessed. That's First Peter four fourteen. And so, you know, if if our f- free speech as believers is shut down, if others use their free speech to condemn us as believers, you know, we, we take comfort in the knowledge that that God blesses us. You know, blessed are you if you're persecuted for Christ's sake. Matthew five. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think another practical concern that I want to just end with here is, you know, biblically, we're, we're called to listen. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, the, the Proverbs talks about how, you know, a, a fool wants to speak all the time, but the wise man listens. And I think that, uh, you know, if, if, if we only have the ability to listen to those who think like us, who talk like us, um, if, if we're forced to silo ourselves off into echo chambers uh, and, and use only our own social media platforms because our speech is not welcome on the other person's platform and, and Facebook becomes the, the, the 
the one for liberals and parlor becomes the one for conservatives or whatever the case may be. I, I think that really, really does a disservice to us as believers in our ability to be able to, again, obey the word of God, to be able to listen to those, you know, to paraphrase Jesus, who says, what advantage is it uh, to you if you, if you love those who love you? You know, don't even the Gentiles and tax collectors do that? No, you're supposed to love your enemies. I would say the same thing about listening. What, what advantage is it to us if we only listen to those who tell us what we want to hear or tell us what we already believe? You know, it's just a waste of, um, practically, that's a waste of one another's time. You're just talking back and forth with people who already think like you anyway. Um, you know, don't even the Gentiles and tax collectors do that? No, we as believers, we want to be people who are big boys and girls who can tolerate, you know, hearing things that we don't like and who can respond to it in a a loving, gentle way uh, without having to resort to the kind of language that would need to be policed um, by anyone. So, uh, I, I again um, hope that's helpful. Um, I, I think this is something that, as believers, we should be concerned about. But some of this is is clearly beyond the scope of what's strictly biblical, other than the fact that uh, we need to um, seek to to please God in all that we say and do. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer. Psalm nineteen. You know, if if the things that we say. Um, pass that litmus test, then I think we will uh, be doing well. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And thanks for listening.